0: all right all right welcome to made men Mondays. this is your man db transform from trauma victim into a victor over trauma and your emotional responsive coach you are now inside of the made men project where every Monday we are bringing you an empowering personal message to dismantle society's false false into masculinity and change the male narrative thanks for coming through today the greatness of a man is not how much wealth he acquires but in his integrity and his ability to affect those around him positively. Bob Martin. My guest today is Darish Phillips, a husband, father, best-selling author, and founder of Mentor Select. In this episode, Darish shares a powerful story that started at one of the most dangerous cities in the country ravaged by poverty, crime, and a lack of resources, Gary, Indiana. Darish helps change the male narrative with his own battles with the false sense of masculinity and what helped him to grow into the man he is today make sure you share this with others who you think can benefit from it just copy and paste the link you can view all the interviews on my youtube channel Derek butler empowers be sure to like comment subscribe click the bell and share remember to subscribe to the main man project and leave us a rating and review and let the show begin thank you Hey, yo, fellas we we made, made men we made
1: men, made men try to believe that within i just wanna I know you are, but tell me you a good man Tell me you're a good man So many men are being crushed Society told the man's to be tough yes you, yes, you are enough I okay. a good man I can't relate to you, brother, cause you're a good man Yes, you are a good man right beside you, I'm right behind you. I know that life could be hard. Right? No, you're not a coward, you got the power for talking about your scars No, you're not sore. Let me inspire you, empower you because society may want to see you fall. You got another brother to call. So many men are being crushed. Society told the man's to be tough. Yes, you, yes, you are enough. Don't bluff. okay? Good man. I can't relate to you, brother, cause you're a Good man. Yes, you are a Good man. Hey, hey, I'm here, my brother. Oh, I love you. Yes, you guess you are enough. I just want to be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, cause you're a good
0: man. Yes, you are a good man. All right, all right. Welcome to the Made Man Podcast. Motivated, accessible, disciplined, expressive men. This is the Made Men Podcast, where we are dismantling society's false sense of masculinity where we are changing the male narrative. I have a special guest with me today. He's in the lab, he's in the projects to help me break down this false sense of masculinity. It's my brother, Derek Phillips. He is the best-selling author and the founder of Mentor Select. How you doing, my brother?
2: I'm doing great, Derek. happy to be here. How are you?
0: Man, I'm doing good, man, I'm doing good. So tell us a little bit about yourself, brother. What you got going on, man?
2: Definitely. So I found the Mentor Select about two years ago, and that was as a result of me working with youth and realizing that so many of them didn't have mentors in their life. And that was why they were going down the wrong path. And I know myself personally, having mentors in my life is what changed the trajectory of my life. So I wanted to be able to just basically pay it forward. So with my company, Mentor Select, we focus on books, courses and also directly mentoring one on one teen teenagers to give them that guidance they need to be successful adults
0: yeah that's crucial man that is that is very important man because you know as us as, as our community man with young people man they need people to help show them the way to guide right. me, the Great that you were giving back um you know i have mentors that was very critical and very important in my life man They helped me get to you know where i'm at today to help me get to you know this place and you know right. i didn't have my had in my life consistently growing up. So, you know, I had different mentors, different people that was able to show me the way. So I applaud you for what you're doing, man. I truly appreciate it, brother. And It is much needed out here in this world,
2: man. Hey man, just, just doing my part. like I said, I feel no one makes it alone. I know I would have been a statistic otherwise, because I didn't have my father in my life as well. But it was an uncle that stepped up. It was a coach. Uh, a teacher, just all the people that as a community, they say it takes a village to raise a child. And that Absolutely.
0: definitely,
1: I
2: had, to, I had to lean on my village. Well, that's
0: great, man. That's great that you said it. That, and that's a segue into our first question, man. So as a boy, who and what was your example of a man?
2: So initially, before I had those positive male role models, I grew up in Gary, Indiana uh, in the eighties and nineties, tough place yeah. to grow up uh, as long as it was murder capital of the United States. So it was a lot of negative influences, gangs, drugs, violence. Mm. But at the age 11, I actually went to live with my uncle, who was 20 years older than my mother. And he was more stable. And he showed me that example, what it means to go to work every day, to, he's always say, work hard, play hard. And he would travel and he had a nice car and a nice house and that was so important for me at that age to actually see someone, on a man doing it legally. Getting right. the things that I desired, those, those material things and also being a man of character, doing it from a legal standpoint versus mm. me and my other friends, all they saw was drug dealers with the nice cars and the flashy jewelry. So they felt that that's the only way that they could get it. But I was really fortunate, I was blessed to have a, a positive male role model who was doing it legally and showing me firsthand example.
0: Wow, that's, that's great, man. That's great that you had that. So when you were a child, like, what did being a man mean to you? When you thought about being a man, you thought about men, what did that mean to you?
2: So I would say I've, I've gone through definitely phases in life right. and growth, right. but, but as a child, I would say being a man, looking at my uncle, my Uncle Tommy, I would say definitely a man is responsible. Mm. A man takes care of his responsibilities. A man works hard. But a man also enjoys the fruits of his labor. Uh, but also, a, a man definitely gives back to the community as well, mm-hmm. and is a leader. So that's probably the biggest thing: being the leader, being responsible, taking accountability for when you make mistakes, and just just being a role model. But on the flip side of that, prior, like I say, prior to my uncle coming into my life, yeah, I just thought a man was just someone who kind of kind of dictated, they kind of used their power for whatever they saw fit. And they also a man that had just a lot of women who was more of womanizer and just being flashy. So a lot of the, the negative stereotypes that come with men, I've seen both sides of the coin. And certainly, and today, I've definitely, what I take most pride in being a man is being a husband, being a, a father, and being a, a some a role model in my community. So, like I said, I've gone through those evo- phases, of evolution as far as what my idea of a man is—that image.
0: So that's great. That, 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 I'm glad you touched on that because, like I said, as, as you know, as children, we we see different types of men, and we're trying right. to figure out, like, okay, what is being, what is actually being a man? Because I came up with thinking, you know, I come up with idolizing a womanizer. My dad was a womanizer. My dad, right. Was, he was a cool dude, he had many women. So, right. to be honest with you, I felt like, shoot, I'm supposed to have a great wife at home, cooks take care of the home, does mm-hmm. take care of the chair, but I'm also supposed to have my things out in the street, as long right. as I ain't doing nothing home. Because that's right. all I scene. And yeah. that was what I idolized. So, like, it was different. I'm glad you touched on that, that you know, you saw different examples and you was able to, you know, gravitate towards the things that stood out to you. Like, I tell people all the time, my dad taught me not how to be a man, but he taught me the man I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. He, you know what I mean? He taught me like, okay, I, I learned from my dad. I do not want to be that man. Right. So right. I had to find an alternative. So yeah, that was that was crucial. So you talked, you touched on different things you've seen, but what, what truly made you the man you are today? Like, what's your story, like? How did you get from where you were in Gary, Indiana, going to live with your uncle, mm-hmm. to where you are at now? Like, what shaped you? What molded you? What things did you go through that really made you realize, like, look, this is what I want to do, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm yeah. going to
2: Yeah, absolutely. I always go back to my senior year of high school, September uh, 11, 2001, mm-hmm. where I was getting ready for school, watching the news, remember just putting on my clothes and and seeing that. The, when the first news first came on, one of the towers had already been hit and it was on fire. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, like, man, like that had to be. And they said a plane crashed into it. I'm like, man, that had to be a huge mistake where somebody missed a whole skyscraper. You know, I thought it was human error. Yeah. And I remember lacing up my shoes and at that same time seeing that second plane hit the tower and like just being in shock, like, wow, this is not a mistake. Like,
0: mm-hmm. this, this is
2: weird. America's under attack. Yeah. And I was just kind of froze watching it unfold. But I remember that day, what hit me the most was seeing those first responders, like people running away, trying to save themselves. And those paramedics, those police officers, those firefighters running into those towers to save people. Mm -hmm. And it was just seeing that and just seeing how the country united together around like, hey, we've been attacked and we have to fight back. We have to. It's not about it's something bigger than us at this point. So that just kind of lit something with inside me, like man, I, I want to be courageous like that. I want to be willing to put my life on the line for something I feel is better than my bigger than myself. Right. And uh, following that, uh, June two thousand two, I joined the army. Wow. So wow. joining the military, like hey, I, I don't want to be on sidelines anymore. First opportunity I get, I want to get into the fight. Right. And so I knew eventually I would go to war. Joining at that point. But yeah, joining the military and just being, like I said, fighting for something bigger than myself, serving my country, that really shaped the direction my life ended up going.
0: And how did that joining the military and the hardships, the the, the triumphs, how did those, how did that impact you later on in life once you got out of the military?
2: So the, once I got out of the military, I was definitely a lot more mature, disciplined, and had a world view at that point. I had lived in several different countries. I had just traveled all around the world and been exposed to so many different perspectives and different cultures. So I was a lot more mature, focused. Uh, and at that point, I kind of knew the direction I wanted to go. I, le- I got out of the military, I had a, a skill. I, was, I did cybersecurity while I was in the military. I finished my bachelor's degree while I was in the military. And I just really, I was on a track where I know okay, what I needed to do next. So the military, it opened up so many doors for me once I got out because being able to say, Hey, I served my country. I'm a veteran. Uh, a lot of people love that. A lot of people, they, they know that, Hey, with a veteran, you're going to get someone that's disciplined, someone that's a hard worker, someone that respects authority and can take, take leadership under uh, tough, tough circumstances. So it really opened up a lot of opportunities for me uh, after I served four years in the military. So when I got out, I was just I just turned up 22, 22 years old. And yeah, I had the had the world, the world was my oyster at that point.
0: <laughs> Let me ask you a question, brother. And you know, we hear stories about vets, we hear stories about what happens during war, things like that. What what was the hardest part for you during your tenure in the military?
2: Mm. So I would say two aspects. Um, so the, the first, when I first joined the military, the physical part was easy for me just because I was always athletic, was into track and all that in high school. So the physical part was easy. Right. The, the, the mental part was it was definitely the biggest challenge because I was coming from Gary, Indiana, a city that's 99% black. Uh, so that's all I was around was black people and in that environment. So going in the military, now you're around people from all different walks of life, all different races and cultures. So it was initially was a culture shock. Uh, so that took some uh, getting used to and, and just being able to assimilate to that new environment. Cause the military is a culture. You have to assimilate to that, that culture and that indoctrination. So that, that mental part was initially was a challenge. And then the second toughest part was my last year in the army, I deployed to Iraq mm-hmm. and that was, I was doing cybersecurity in Iraq, but hey, we still were getting attacked at the military bases. Cool. It still was, it was a, a daily threat for our lives. And it was just, I remember just always being on a high alert, being afraid, like it's a day to day I'm gonna die or it's a day I'm gonna have to kill someone. So th- just being in a war zone definitely it it, kind of it definitely changes your your sense of alertness and your 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 mindset because you know it's real and i and and i felt like in a sense growing up in gary prepared me for that in a way because growing up gary was a war zone zone, Uh, (laughs) so at least when i was in iraq i had the better equipment and i had i wasn't alone but it it, it was certainly uh it certainly did something to my 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 mindset in terms of just always being alert and kind of being paranoid and just always looking at this, seeing like, okay, is, a, is this a threat to me or not?
0: How do you, so that, and I'm glad you say that because one, you dealt with those experiences in Gary.
2: Right.
0: So your, your, your survival rate, your, your your hyper-vigilance was up due to the things you see being around you. Right. That was, you know, that's traumatic, All you know what I'm saying, dealing with that, always being on alert, mm-hmm. not able to be able to rest. You know, we're not supposed right. to always be Operating at that state of alertness, right? Right. So right. now that you went into the military, and that's what it's supposed to be, <laughs> how was that when you were coming out and carrying that into your everyday civilian life? Has yeah. that impacted you at all? Or how that affected? <clears throat> you?
2: Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. People growing up in say the inner cities and dealing with all this trauma and that hyper sense of alertness that that's not normal. It it does something to you psychologically, yeah. chemically. And it, it, it created that, that stress that yes. cortisol stress hormone so so and now we call it the ptsd with right. the military bringing light to it but yeah a lot of people have never been in the military have ptsd Absolutely. have that, that anxiety yes uh, but to, to answer your question transition out of the military uh it it was it was definitely still tough. It's something I still deal with today. I've been in the military almost 18 years yeah. and I still, I'm not, I don't, I'm not as that high alertness, but it's still there. Yeah. And it's still like, you're never just at ease. So it, it's definitely something I still deal with today, but uh, I wouldn't say it's to the extent where I can't function, obviously. But yes, yeah. yeah, it's, it's something that's, it, it's not normal. It, it impacts you and it's nothing that yeah. you necessarily can just turn off. But from a career standpoint, I wouldn't say it impacted me early on. It probably impacted some of my relationships. Right. But yeah, definitely take something being being conscious, being aware of it and finding ways you can lower that stress level, finding different resources that can help you cope with it.
0: That's and that's the point I'm getting to. So, you know, I tell people all the time, one of my major messages in, and what I do with my coaching, what I do with my clients, everything is, it's not so much the thing that happened to us, it, it's just about how we respond. So right. you have you have this you know this these are natural things that happen in childhood. As far as dealing with all the violence, the the power, everything around you, you go into the military dealing with that. So that's a great part that you grow up about. It's all about how you respond. So how do you manage, or how do you operate to, you know, manage your stress, stay calm, stay peaceful. What are some things you do for self care?
2: So some things I do. I I, I meditate. Um, I focus on phys, physical fitness. Like sure, I'm yeah. I'm doing things that's relaxing me in terms of working out that's something I enjoy. Um, also, I read a lot. I uh, I just love being out in nature, just being out for right. right. walking the park, right. just anything that's going going to relax me. Anything that uh, just brings me peace. Spend time with my family, friends. Just make sure I'm I'm conscious about that. Making sure I'm intentional. Right. So right. And that's probably some of the biggest things: and eat, eating, eating right, right, trying to be healthy. And and definitely one of the biggest things is making sure I'm intentional about reducing my stress level and not subjecting myself unnecessary to things that's going to stress me out. So I'm really conscious about just really not avoiding those type of things. It's going to be stressful.
0: Where you're placing yourself, what environment you're in, what you are giving your time, energy, and attention to, man, that's great. You know, that's that's why we're that's why I do this podcast. That's why. I, I want to break down this this false sense of masculinity, man, because self-care has has nothing to do with being weak or being feminine or anything like that. We have to take care of ourselves. Whether you want to call it self-care, self-love, or just finding your joy, doing things to bring you happiness and peace or whatever, we have to invest our time and energy into these things because we deal with a lot of stress. as men, Especially as a black men. we carry a lot of stress. We deal with a lot of things in this world. and, And it's not that we ever are going to be without overwhelming or distressing thoughts or feelings. It's not that. it's about learning how to manage those thoughts and feelings, learning how to turn down the volume on those things so that we can focus on the positivity. so we can focus on the things that we do want. So that's- Absolutely. You know, a lot of men think that we just gotta suck it up or muscle through it, or, you know, we gotta, you know, try to shove it all down and not talk about it or not deal with it. And, you know, whatever you're feeling, it's okay. You know, your feelings aren't the enemy. That's what the point I want to get across, feelings aren't the enemy. You're allowed to feel what you feel, it's important to feel what you feel, but not allow those feelings to dictate your behavior. So when it comes to you and your feelings, like, are you comfortable, were were you always comfortable with identifying and expressing your feelings or did you struggle in in any of those areas?
2: Yeah, I I absolutely struggled early on, especially my teens and early adulthood where I had anger management issues. And Mm -hmm. I I did. try, I did used to repress a lot of those emotions. And I remember the first time I went to a therapist where he mentioned, like, when you repress those emotions, essentially think about a soda bottle. Like you shake that soda bottle <laughs> up <laughs> and then it, it's going to eventually like it, you want to kind of like take it off, like un- unwind it slowly to let it kind of right. like fizz,
0: yeah, versus it's, just it's that it, that it exploding.
2: Yeah. yeah. That pressure. So as you mentioned, like, yeah, you repressing those emotions and you feel, okay, y'all have been told the man up, man don't cry. You treat like men are a robot or something, but no, we have emotions. We need to process those emotions. We need to, uh, determine how we are going to express those emotions in a healthy, not toxic way. Yes. But when it really gets toxic is when we do ignore them, when we do repress them, when we do realize, feel like we're not allowed to express them, then we're, we have no control at that point. It's like a ticking time bomb. Absolutely. And yeah, it's something that I've definitely had to through reading, through mentors, through seeing how other men express their emotions in a healthy way, that, that's helped me learn how to do it as well
0: that's great man that is, that is that is great so now that you were more mature you're older you married <laughs> children how has your definition of a man changed like when you were 11 or 12 when you were younger to where you're at now
2: yeah it's changed big time and at, at a, earlier i mentioned my my uncle yeah and he had he he taught me so many positive things but he wasn't perfect. He, he in the re- reality, he was living a double life as well, where he, okay, he was taking care of home, but hey, he was doing this thing in the streets, had a lot of women. So yes. at, at the, at, when I was younger, I admired that. Like, okay, that's that's what a man get to do. Yes. But but now, uh, it took me all the way up until around 30, meeting that that right woman, who is my wife now, who, who was patient with me, who who definitely walked through that, that growth journey with me. And now my idea of a man, men that I admire is totally different than the men that I would admire at 18, 19, or even 25. The men I admire now are men who are, they're not living a double life. They, they, they take their role as being a father, or a leader, or a husband, serious. And, and they, they don't allow anything to jeopardize that. I'll just uh, give you an example. One of my good friends, they, uh, him and his wife just celebrated their 10 year anniversary and they had a, a whole ceremony and everything and it was something that really took uh, really struck me about that moment just hearing him talk about his family and just seeing how he looks at them i realized that he he even though he may be faced with temptation every day he has that mentality that there's nothing worth me risking what i have here this is so important my family my wife I, I, nothing can make me risk that jeopardize that and just that, that's what I admire in a man
0: today. That's that's powerful, man. And that's what it comes down to once again. It's all it comes down to how we respond to the choices that we make. Where as Absolutely. men, we're gonna be faced with temptation, especially uh-huh. when you're a good man.
1: Oh when yeah. Doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Who
0: is you know on that track to be faithful, on that track to be a great husband, a great leader, a great father. It's gonna come at you even harder. Oh yeah. So saying, <laughs> yeah and 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 the more you resist it, the more it right. comes at you because they see how good it is so that's that's really right. important like that you brought up that you know what your friend was and what he talked about as far as his family and how he makes those sacrifices because it is a sacrifice it is oh because yeah you, because you're sacrificing immediate gratification and pleasure. Right, A long-term fulfillment inside. Right. <laughs> yes, sir. yeah, and that's a, and that's where and, and and I struggled in that area. You know, yes. I I, I, I come. We all do. That area. Yeah. yeah, and I, and and like we talked before when we was on the other show with Tina yeah. and everything like that, and just about finding that right, right woman and that patience and how that woman can not change you but make you want to change and be better. That you know, So that's 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 yeah. critical. That, that that's critical. Bring the
2: best yeah. out of you.
0: Yes, yes, yes. That's critical, man. So, real quick, what 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 is one piece of advice you would give men regarding masculinity?
2: Mm, that's a, a great question. Um, I would say it just kind of goes back to just being in tune with yourself, a- a- acknowledging those emotions you feel, also being able to being being very intentional and have high standards for the men you look up to for Mm. the men that you you model think Mm. about okay what what do they really represent and is that something long term that you want to represent as well Is that is that the legacy you want to live that's probably the biggest thing thinking about your your legacy when you you're dead and gone what do you want people to say about you how do you want to be remembered and I think COVID-19 really highlighted that in terms of helping us realize what's really important in life, how essentially all of having to stay at home and the freedom being taken away and just all of the glamor and glitz. Now it's like, okay, what do you have now? When when everything is, is just jeopardized and your, your way of normal life is being altered, do are you happy with what you have? Are you happy where you're at in life? Are you happy with who's surrounding you? That that really put things into perspective for me because of yeah, being stuck at home. Me and my wife still work from home. Where our door, she was in daycare prior to COVID. Now she, we're basically at, she's at home with us twenty four seven, and me being able to look around these four walls and who's here with me. Like, yeah, this is what I want my legacy to be. This is this is what I, this is what I want to represent as a man. So I think yeah, just men looking at hey, what is what is your legacy going to be? Not this instant gratification that you're getting right now, or this temptation you're faced with. And, like that's temporary, like it just as fast as it comes, that's as fast as it go. And I have a, have a lot of single friends, I'm 36 now. And as we as getting a little older in age, they realize looking around like, you know, those sayings go like, you don't want to be the last one on the dance floor. And yeah. I think I mean, <laughs> as men, we have to look at that like, okay, yeah. not necessarily, don't settle, don't rush it or force it, but try to just make sure that you're intentional about your actions, that you're going in the direction that you want to go and that you're leading the legacy that you want to leave.
0: That's 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 great. Um, it's funny you said that because that brings us to our next question: What type of <laughs> legacy are you leaving in this world? <laughs> it's like you're talking about legacy, and that's that's very important. That's why I ask men all the time: Like, what type of legacy are you leaving? Because when it's all said and done, what do you what do people want to say about you? What is right. your contribution to this world? What are you going to leave this world with? Uh,
2: yeah, definitely for me and. I talk a lot about legacy. My, my, daughter, my daughter, her name is legacy. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 So every time I look at her, I know like, Hey, this is, they say her name legacy. Like, all right. I got to She's going to live an in incredible life, and she's part of my legacy. Yes. So for me, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about initially, like why I founded mentor select mm-hmm. is be, because I, I want to be able to give back. And I know that so many, especially youth that was growing up, that's growing up in similar circumstances that I grew up. That it, it's so much negativity surrounding them. But now that I've, I've made it out, I've broken that cycle of poverty. I've broken that cycle of just toxic relationships and just toxic behavior. Um, I, I wanna look back and say, okay, how can I help others break that cycle? And yeah. it's, it, it's easy to get overwhelmed and think like, hey, it, this is just too much, I, I what can one person do? And I just gotta think about the, the, the one persons in my life, that, that one, that one off people where they, they helped me break that cycle. So I look back, like, okay, how can I be that one person for someone else? Mm-hmm. So that, that's one of the biggest things outside of my household of being the, the best husband and, and father I can be. Okay, how can I be the best mentor? How can I be the best friend? How can I be the best uh, em, uh, employee, employer? Just how can I be the best and, and not looking at it like, okay, this is, it's just too much. It's overwhelming. Not one person can change something and just realizing that one person can change. If you change one person's life, you change in their world. So hey, you're doing your part. So that's just how I'm kind of looking at it. Just One person at a time. How, how can I help? How can I help? How can I not be a part of the problem, but a part of the solutions and really being intentional about that?
0: Wow, brother, that's that's very powerful, man. Um I I I definitely see what you're doing. I definitely see the legacy that you were building, the legacy you're going to be leaving, man. And then I I, I wish you the best in that. I, you know, okay. I know the you know, I know how tough it can be when you're trying to help others. Like this adding value to others in itself is a difficult, you know, it's a yeah. difficult task.
2: Yeah. you see something
0: in others that they don't see in themselves. Right, and you have to stroke that and and, and keep. It takes on, time. <laughs> yeah, keep on breathing into that, breathing right. that belief into them, so they can catch wind in it, and feel that and start moving in that direction. So right. I know what you're doing, brother. I appreciate what you're doing, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, where can people reach you at, man? Like where 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 can they reach you? They want to get in contact with you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And before I go into that, I definitely want to, applaud what you're doing. I think what you're doing is fantastic, and we need more of it. So you, you, you certainly, you. I know you're, you're changing lives. And like I said, Thank it t- takes time. <laughs> yeah. Not an overnight uh, <laughs> approach, but wow. hey, when you're doing what you love, what you're doing, what you're called to do, you got, as long as you're breathing, <laughs> you, you're, doing, you're just walking in that path. So yeah, definitely keep up what you're doing. As far as best contact for me, my website, uh, derritchphillips.com, you can reach me there. I'm all over social media. So your name, you're Derrick. I'm Derrick with an H. Uh, right, so right, it's right, easy right. to find me. There's <laughs> not, not too many Riches in the world. But yeah, oh. Derrick Phillips. I'm all over social media. And then also my books, all of them are available on Amazon. I have uh, my first book is Poverty Powerball, Turn Adversity Into Your Winning Ticket. My second book is Father Figures. It's a children's book. Mm. Father Figures, Larry's Journey to Manhood. And my third book is uh, The Shortest Distance, 26.2 Strategies to Accomplish Your Most Ambitious Goals in Record Time. And yeah, you find all those on on, um, Amazon.
0: Man, great man, great. Listen brother, uh, you're doing some wonderful things, man. Keep going. This is The Main Man Project. I have my brother Derek Phillips on with us, man. Best-selling author. He is a founder of Mentor Select. He is doing great things out here. Check them out, reach out to them, see what you doing, follow them on all social media. Hey brother, I really appreciate you, man. You keep doing what you're doing, man. And We're definitely gonna connect later on down the line, brother.
2: Definitely, much appreciation. Take all care.
0: Right, yes, sir, you take care, my man. All right. Hey, hey, right. I'm here, my brother.
1: You know I love you. Yes, you. yes, you are enough. I just want to be a good man. I can't relate to you, brother, cause you're a good man. Yes, you are a good man.